Hello, my name is Caitlin, and I am a junior at Providence Baptist College. Please enjoy the following Maverick message. Romans chapter number 14. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. If you're a vegetarian, the Bible calls you weak. Okay, okay. It's okay. It's okay. The Bible says we're, not, we're, we're still to receive you and not to doubt for disputations. Uh, number three. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. <clears throat> but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak." Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I want to notice what it says there in verse number one. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Doubtful disputations could be considered controversial issues. As, as long as I've been around 
the ministry, which has been since my dad was a pastor when I was five years old and he was working on church staff from the time I was one year old. So I don't know anything but church ministry home. I really don't. I have heard of controversial issues over and over and over again. One just came up at the end of church ed. Would you accept a baptism of? These things are going to continue to be controversial issues. And you guys going into ministry are going to have to understand there are some things that we've got to establish when it comes to controversy that we will or will not, where, we were, where we're going to fight, where we won't fight, and we've got to determine some of these things. And so I want to challenge you with some things today that we would call not to doubtful disputations. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We ask you to help us as we study your Word, and your Word studies us and challenges us with the things that we want to sometimes fight about. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I am for fighting the good fight of faith. But there are some things that we fight over that honestly are not helping anything in eternity. One of those things uh, that, that came up is sometimes this eschatological differences. I'm telling you, I don't know how you can study the Word of God, rightly divide the Word of God, and land where some people do. It makes me scratch my head. But if they're preaching Jesus, crucified, risen, coming again, there's some things I don't have to fight with them on. I can look at them and say, well, I'll enjoy heaven for three and a half years while you're hanging out in the tribulation. Enjoy yourself. Right? I mean, we can go down those paths and we can fight and fight and fight. And people are trying to split churches over the minutest little details when in all actuality, receive some people that are weak in the faith, but not to doubt the disputation. They're weak because they, they, they refuse to allow themselves to be challenged mentally. They refuse to take the Bible at face value. And so there's some things that they won't do. Boy, I'm not going to eat that meat. I'm telling you, that meat is bad stuff. God says it, it, it can be eaten with thanksgiving. God bless bacon. Him that is weak doesn't want to eat something, that's fine. Receive him. Don't argue about it. If he wants to challenge you and tell you you're wrong, you can say, hey, bud, I appreciate it. And I could also challenge you the same way. Or we can just agree to disagree. And Paul said, this, this thing that you're fighting about, meat, it's really not the main thing. Notice what he says in uh, verse number 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. He said there are some things that we fight about that we don't need to fight about. And there are some things that we probably should fight for that we don't. You know why we fight wrong battles? Because we have wrong focus. And if we as a country oftentimes see things in a wrong light, that's what happens with every political season, is everything that is brought up is not as important as other things. And we fight over things that are not near as important as other things. And our country is being destroyed. And our churches will be destroyed as we continue to fight over things that really don't need to be fought over. Are there things that need to be fought over? Absolutely. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there's some battles that should be fought, and there are some things that we have to ask ourselves, is this worth a doubtful disputation? Is it worth it? Figure out which battle you need to fight. Figure out which hill you want to die on. If Jesus Christ died and be God, then no sacrifice should be too great for us to make for him. 
And if he was willing to die for it, then we ought to be willing to die for it. And if he lived for it, we ought to be willing to live for it. And we ought to ask ourselves what things are important. Uh, There are some things in Scripture that are not quite as black and white as we sometimes want to make them. And there are vast opinions to varying degrees of standards. I have uh, several pastor groups that I'm a part of online. And questions are asked on a daily basis about different things that are just a little bit on the edge of what do you believe on this? Should you accept this baptism? What do you do when it comes to the Lord's Supper? What do you do when it comes to this passage of Scripture? How do you read the context here? And these things are discussed about by preachers. Some of these things you look at and you go, well, that's, not, that's not even a big deal. How do how, you not know that's from seventh grade? And we can, we can come across real snarky at times for somebody that's just trying to find truth. How many of you have had a legitimate doctrinal question and somebody just kind of like shoved you off and said, figure it out, instead of trying to help you. And, and, and so you, you've gone along in some ignorance at times, and you thought some things, and then somebody kind of just set you straight, and you're finally like, finally, somebody was willing to talk about this situation. There are, there are some situations that seem too controversial for us to want to talk about. I'm telling you, God's Word contains everything that we need to know that pertains to life and godliness. So there's no dumb questions, but there are some dumb arguments. And so we ought to ask ourselves what we're, in, in, uh, what we're involved in. God does leave the door open for us to need the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction with the Word of God. These things are spiritually discerned. They're not the natural man ways. So if you're not saved, first thing you need to do in order to understand God's Word is get saved. Spiritual discernment is necessary. By the way, if you're walking in the flesh and not walking in the spirit, you're not seeing things the right way. And those that walk in the flesh, they cannot please God. They can't please God. And so you've got to be conscientious of the fact that God will leave the door open for the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction. But that doesn't make you wiser or stronger or smarter or better than somebody else because you've gotten to a certain place that they haven't gotten. You know what I found out about Bible college students? They're all smarter than the, than, the, than, than, than the next person next to them. They go up in the dorms and they talk about all the stuff that they're going to do. And Brother, Brother Osawardi was talking about, uh, on Wednesday we were ch- chatting about this. He said, I just knew I was going to be the, the pastor of a, a church of 5,000. Some of you guys already have ministry figured out, man. You got it down. I mean, if my pastor was just as smart as me, that church would be running like thousands. And you're going to go home and you're going to tell your pastor how to do it right. Because you're smart like that. But in all actuality, you, haven't even, you don't even know the questions, let alone the answers. And, and, and we all have gone through these processes. We've all been young. David said this way, I, I've been young and now I'm old. What was he saying? Some things that I thought I knew back then, I know I don't know now. But I've not seen the righteous forsaken or received begging bread. I know that God's still the same. And God can still provide. And so Paul, the apostle to the Gentile world, is addressing some controversial issues. Here in Romans 14, he speaks of the subject of flesh. Now some flesh, (coughs) especially in those times, had been offered to idols. Meat offered to idols. Did that taint the meat, yes or no? No. But did that taint people's minds towards the meat? 
Yes. And so he said, don't, don't cause offense in somebody else just because you say, I've got my rights, you know. I got liberty I can flaunt. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. If, if God led you and you know that he's leading you and it's not your flesh leading you, then dive in. But if the Spirit's not leading you, you've got to ask yourself, am I causing more problems than I'm fixing? Am I adding solutions or am I only adding problems? And we've got to ask ourselves often, what does God want me to do when it comes to these controversial, doubtful disputations? I believe the principles that I can share with you today will help you. They'll strengthen you. You need to determine what you truly believe and you need to establish what you believe on the foundation of the Word of God. If the Bible says it, that should settle it. If the Bible is very clear, don't muddy the waters. If the Bible is not dogmatic, don't be dogmatic where the Bible is silent. And so, so understand from a perspective of looking at God's word, what does God want us to know? He wants us to know that you might have an opinion and he might have an opinion and you have an opinion toward God and he has a, an opinion, a different opinion toward God and you both are doing it because you believe you're led by the spirit and he said, to your own master you can stand or fall. One guy says he needs to part his hair from the left to the right and the other guy says he needs to part his hair from the right to the left. Some of us just want to have hair. I cut my hair last night. It's getting thinner all the time. It didn't work. It didn't work. My wife said, absolutely not. Don't you dare. I told these kids, I, I told them, I said, I would let them shave my head and shave my beard if they paid 50 bucks a piece. I said, there's 60 guys in church head. That'd be $3,000. It'd be great. Jessica said, absolutely not. I said, $3,000, Justin? We can do a lot with $3,000. She said, you better not. Would you let me do that for $3,000? I'm like, Okay. All right. I hope we also not only learn what we believe and learn to stand where we believe and have biblical reasons for where, for where we stand, but I hope we also learn how to have grace and consideration for others who don't necessarily feel the same way. You know what I found out? That there are some people who, they, they love God. They're going to be in heaven with us someday. And I'm not going to see eye to eye with him, and I really don't want to see eye to eye with him, and I want to stay firm with what the Bible says. But that does not believe that does not mean that they won't be with us in heaven. And uh, to dwell above with those we love, that will be glory. To dwell below with those we know, that's a different story. You know, sometimes we're like, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. Everything's going to be great. Well, we're not in heaven yet, but we're trying to get other people to go there with us. So we probably ought to be kind of acting like we're on our way there while we're here. And so we got to be cautious about these controversial issues because debates can often get very heated. Food and meat, special adherence to certain days, holidays, how you decorate for the holidays. Do you have a tree? Do you not have a tree? If you have something gold, is that, is that considered you know, an idol? I mean, there are, there are all kinds of questions all the time, and everybody's got their opinions. And as like, as like one preacher said, everybody's got opinions just like they got armpits, and they all stink. They all stink. But, but God's opinion doesn't stink. And so if you believe that God has led you to a place and his word has given you reason to stand there, then stand there, but stand there graciously. Learn how to stand without being a jerk. There's a lot of jerks in the world. And one of the things that a lot of people say that are lost because they don't want everything to do with us is because they say they're just not very nice people. 
And where love is felt, the message is heard. And I'm tired. I, I don't want to turn people away from truth. I'm willing to stand on truth. But you can stand graciously. And so that's what Paul is teaching here in Romans 14. He's teaching us that debate can get heated. And if we're not careful, we can become extremists in our own beliefs. We won't take into consideration that our own ideas or ideology may be preconceived notions or something that was uh, gained by looking at things out of context or might not be as well-founded as we had once believed. And I'm not talking about doubting truth because the Bible says what's there is not a faith is sin. We are not to be doubting things. But we ought to be recognizing that there are some things that we can be dogmatic about like preaching against beards. There are guys that used to preach against beards that have beards. And you look at them and you go, how does that really work? So we've got to be cautious that we don't become extremists about things that really aren't doctrinal matters because later on we will not have any, any leg to stand on. One of the things that my parents said about why they didn't tell us about Santa Claus and the reason why I haven't taught my kids about Santa Claus is because you tell them about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and all these kind of things, and you pull that away. But if you teach them about Jesus Christ, is he, is he false too? And so we got to think about these things. I'm not saying I'm taking away all the fun from everybody. But you do have to at least consider whether or not we have legs to stand on. And God's Word is our foundation to stand upon. If God says it, it's absolutely of necessity that we know it. But if God didn't say it, let's not say, let me help God out for you here. Let me teach you something that you can do like I do because I'm, I'm more close to God than you are. You've got to be careful with that stuff. I'm not saying you aren't closer to God than I am. But to tell somebody you have to follow my patterns of my life because I think this way instead of just saying, well, what do you think God says about that? Because that's where we need to stand. We need to stand upon God's word. So how do we handle these doubtful disputations? Number one, don't despise those whom God has accepted. Look at verse number three. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. God has accepted you. And he has accepted me. He receives us into his work. And you'd be surprised how many guys could, I mean, share a platform that totally, totally don't agree on major things that we would say, well, that's pretty major. But, but they've, they've determined that they're going to stand upon the word of God. They're not going to fight each other over something that they don't see. Like, for instance, and we're not going to get into this. Did Jesus go to hell or did Jesus not go to hell? There are people that, I mean, they'll share a platform. They'll love each other. They'll, they'll share a meal. And they're not going to line up. One of them's going to say Jesus absolutely suffered in hell. One of them's going to say Jesus did all the suffering he did on the cross. And they're going to stand side by side and love one another. And they've determined it's not something they're going to fight about. Because God has received both of them. You understand that? Now we can talk about that later. And, and I can tell you that sometimes we have to be careful to not be dogmatic where the Bible is silent. Amen. And so I remember when I was, uh, I think I was a freshman or sophomore at Providence Baptist College. And some of the guys figured out that if we got... Not we. I didn't do this. I, I was just a participant bystander. I was guilty by association because I was in the class. But what they found out from one teacher to the next, they could go in and say, Brother so-and-so said this. What do you think about this? And it would cause us to not have notes and we wouldn't have to take tests. No, you shouldn't try this. But the point is, they were both teaching at Providence Baptist College, both good men, and they said, I have a question about 
It didn't help the situation. It didn't help any of us really to formulate what we believe, except we turned to the Word of God. We started to go to God's Word and find it. So we shouldn't fight over it because God has accepted them. The principle is laid out by Christ. We are, to, we are to not judge one another unless we want to be judged in the exact same manner. Judge not unless you be judged. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't judge. It just means with what measure you judge, it shall be judged back, right? Measure you mean, it shall be measured to you again. There's this recognition that I need to remember that I'm going to stand before God for my judgment and my judgment is partial. My judgment is not full. I do not have all knowledge. Let God be true and every man a liar. I might see something. I might think, I know exactly what's going on, and I might not see the whole picture. Let me explain to you something. Like there's, there's, there's a lot in this book. But if all you ever see is the outside cover, what do you actually know? And a lot of times we judge things by their outside cover, and we don't know what's going on inside. And the same thing can happen in somebody's life. We judge others based on what we perceive. We judge others based on their actions, and then we judge ourselves based on our intentions. And so we're very good sometimes at seeing small pictures rather than the big picture, and we've got to remember that we've got to not despise whom God has accepted. If God is working in somebody's life, they probably don't need me to set them straight. They've got a God who's bigger than me that can set them straight. Amen. I'm not saying you don't discuss. I'm not saying you don't approach. I'm not saying that you don't mentor somebody along. I'm not saying you don't challenge somebody's way of thinking. I'm just saying you've got to be cautious that you don't think that you're the authority. God is. You must not despise whom God has already accepted. <clears throat> We're all at different places in our Christian lives and our spiritual growth. We ought to let God be God in our lives. Number two, not only should we not despise whom God has accepted, but we don't answer for anybody but us. I don't answer for anybody but me. As a pastor, I'm going to answer for how I lead my people and what I challenge my people with and what I preach. I'm going to be, I think I'm going to be judged as a teacher at Providence Baptist College for what I teach, right? But we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Notice what it says in verse number four. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master? He standeth or falleth. Look at verse number 10. Uh, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse number 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You're going to stand before God for what you do, for what you say, for what you teach, for what you fight about. Every idle word can be brought into judgment. Sometimes we have to let our words be few. Let them be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And so we've got to ask ourselves, who am I going to stand before God for? For that guy's error? I might, I might stand before God for not helping correct the error if I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to try to help him. But I've got to also understand, I'm going to stand before God for myself. He's going to stand before God for himself. And so we ought to ask ourselves, what, what value does this argument have? Number three. When it comes to these doubtful disputations, these controversial issues, I must be fully persuaded in my own mind and not allow in my life that which God has clearly shown to me to be wrong. Look at verse number five. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Look at verse number 22. Hast thou faith? 
have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. Several times throughout this passage of scripture, we find let, 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 let. That's an allowing. I'm, I'm not the one that has allowed them to proceed on. God has. But I am the one that could let it go. Because it doesn't really have to factor into my situation. You know, I found out that if I get bent out of shape and worried about what everybody else is doing or not doing, I don't focus on what I need to be doing or not doing. And so I must judge myself. Because if we would judge ourselves, we find this out when it comes to the Lord's Supper. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If I, if I will examine myself and make sure that I'm right, then I can go before God with communion and He and I can commune with one another and I can take His blood and His body as something that was a, a, a representation for me of His suffering and I can appreciate what He's done for me and I don't have to worry about what everybody else has in their life. I can judge myself. So I must be fully persuaded in my own mind. Listen, if you have made a determination, there's people in this room that have made determinations that other people have not made. Stand on your conviction. If it's a biblical principle that's been established and the Holy Spirit of God spoke to you and you made a determination, then don't sin in that which you allow. It's not about allowing somebody else. Let, let somebody else be wrong. One of my pastors, uh, my pastor friends, he, uh, his wife looks at him all the time when he's getting frustrated. She says, Honey, it's okay if they want to be wrong. You got to not let it affect you. We're going to be a ministry. How many of y'all, you feel like God has ministry for you for your future? I'm not talking just, just full time, I'm talking ministry in general. You plan on ministering for the rest of your life. I was hoping every hand would go up, but whatever. Um, think about it. You can't get bent out of shape. When God is clearly leading you and you're walking with God. A man who walks with God never has to walk alone. But you might walk alone among men. And that's okay. Sometimes we have to be swimming against the stream. Sometimes we got to go against the flow. But while you're going against the flow, accomplishing what God wants you to do, don't keep grabbing everybody else and trying to cause an argument because all you're going to do is create a conflict and a fight and a controversial issue and you're never going to accomplish what God has set you forth to do. Fulfill your purpose. Follow God's plan for your life. Number four. Actually, before I get into number four, it saddens me to watch people change. I've watched so many people change. People I went to college with, people that I've known for years. I was listening to a song on the way to church, or on the way to college today. Of a, of a man that, that used to be just as solid as we are. And boy, he has gone off the rails. The music that he wrote then, I asked him a couple years ago, I said, so do you still write music? He goes, no, the well's right up. I thought, well, I wonder why. Because you're no longer walking with the same, same God. You're, never, you're not walking in the same direction. It's sad. It burdens me. Somebody asked me the other day, what's the hardest part about being a pastor? What are the, what are the, what are the things that you face? And I said, well, honestly, one of the hardest things for me to face while being a pastor is watching people make bad decisions that know better. The change. Meddle not with them that are given to change. I'm not talking about not being right. But don't meddle with those that are given to change. If they're given to change, they're going to continue to change. 
Maybe a phone call, maybe a text, maybe, maybe you're reaching out to them and saying, hey, I'm watching you go down a path I don't think you should go down. I'm praying for you. Maybe that'll be enough. But if they're going to go that way, don't try to chase them down. Prodigal son's father stayed home. Stay firm. Stay focused. Stay faithful. Sometimes you don't have to fight to fight. Be fully persuaded in your mind and stand firm. By the way, if you'll stand firm while they're waffling and they'll watch you stand firm, maybe they'll come back. But stay firm. It saddens me to watch people change because they've set standards in their life and they've changed those things. A standard is a safeguard that's put into place to help delineate and simplify a biblical principle. It enables you with God's help to fulfill what God would have you to do and to be. A, a principle in God's word is established and then we say, okay, this is my conviction based on God's word and here's the standard that I'm going to set so that it guides me and gives me parameters in my life. If God has given you a conviction based off of his word and the principle and you've established a standard in your life, hold the standard. Don't throw down the flag. Keep it waving high. You don't have to back down, but be fully persuaded in your own mind. Uh, number four, there's the principle of living for others. There's the principle of living for others. Look at verse seven and eight. For none of us live it to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. So this principle is, when it comes to doubtful disputations, I don't live for just myself. I need to live for others. And if I need to live for the benefit and the blessing and the betterment of others, then where I would be confusing, I better watch myself. If I would be drawing down from their standards, I should not do that. If somebody has a higher standard than you, rise to their standard. Don't try to tear their standard down. My, uh, my dad used to always say, he said, son, anybody can settle. But he said it'd be better to rise above. Rise above. The cream rises to the top. Don't try to pull people down to your level if they have a higher standard than you. Some of the girls want to wear longer dresses than you do. They may not be any more spiritual than you. But if that's their standard, why would you trash them over that? Why would you want to picket them for holding a standard high? By the way, if somebody is waiting on God when it comes to their mate, instead of dating around, don't challenge them and call them gay. Because they are waiting on God. And it's better to wait long than marry wrong. Live for others. Live for the benefit of others. If you think there's not a standard clearly laid out in Scripture, but another person has come to another certain and set standard with a biblical reason, you should not go around trying to tell them they're wrong and that God doesn't demand those things of us. It could be that they have more discernment than you. And it could be that because of past situations in their lives, they're more sensitive to things that aren't really that controversial in your life. There was a Sunday school teacher of mine that would not eat anywhere where they served alcohol. It was his conviction and his standard. I'll be honest. I'm not saying that, that 
I will never be tempted, but I've never been tempted with alcohol. It's not something, if you said it in front of me and said, here, drink this, that I would ever even think about. But for him, he had been a drunk. And he has not had a drink since I was born. But to this day, if he smells it, if he sees it, there's an allurement to it that causes him in his flesh to want it. And he says, I will not put myself in that position. I won't eat at a place that serves alcohol. So he broke his standard one night. It was a party for a friend, a big party, a 50th anniversary or something like that. And he went to a place. He said, I walked in 10 minutes later. He said, I had to walk out. I said, I'm here. I love you. I appreciate you. I got to go. And he said, I haven't had a drink in 30-something years. He said, but I knew if I stayed, it was going to be a problem. Listen, don't do that to somebody. If you know they've got a problem, don't flaunt it. They got an issue? Don't, don't call them names. Don't call them a weenie. Don't call them a baby. Don't call them something else. Don't say, oh, man, look at you. You're just weak. Yeah, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. But not to doubt for disputations. If he can't handle it, it's okay. Why don't you just show some love of Christ and not try to lead somebody on into a bad way? You should not, you should not try to drag somebody down to your level if you're below them. You ought to find out why they're there and maybe join them. Number, number five. I'm not to grieve or cause another brother to stumble. We find in verse 13 and verse 15. If your brother's grieved, you don't, you're not walking charitably and don't destroy him. Don't judge, don't judge any other brother, but judge this, that you would not be a stumbling block. That you are not the problem. You know what we have opportunity to be? Somebody who's a blessing, not somebody who's a hurt. Not somebody who's a burden. Step up to the plate. And then number six. We must recognize the main things. Look there in verse 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Righteousness, peace, joy, and edification are to be our priorities. Listen, I, I did not preach this message so that you can say, I don't have to live up to these standards anymore. Not at all. I preach this message because I don't believe we should lower our standards, but that we should not bow down to the world, the flesh, and the devil. We should rise above. We should be led by the Spirit of God. We should live as righteously and as holy as we believe that the Holy Spirit would have us to be. And I don't believe that there's any admixture of error in God, in God is light, and in, there, in, in Him there is no darkness at all. But we must not get into such a state as Christians that our whole mind and purpose is to set others straight. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to ruin my church as a pastor if I have to always get up and try to address the issues that are going on in the church body that I don't like, other than just preaching the Word of God and letting God handle it. My job is to preach, not manipulate. It's to declare truth and let God's Spirit work. And so it's not about me trying to set the record straight. Jesus, there were times when Jesus set the record straight. And you go, yeah, Jesus did. Jesus was perfect. i got to be cautious because my flesh can get in the way. And so I've determined, Lord, 
If this is going to be more hurtful than helpful, please don't let me preach it. If everybody in the church is going to turn their head and look at the person that I'm preaching about, it's not going to help. Let me be a witness of your grace and your mercy and your love. And while everybody's holding the stone, let me be the one that says, he that is without sin cast the first stone. And let me put my stone down. This pulpit is not a whipping post. It's God's sacred desk where people can get help. Now, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says that as we're preaching to those that have life, it's life. And to those that have death, it's death. And there's nothing wrong with somebody getting help because they're excited about the goodness of God while somebody else is going, oh my word, God's going to kill me. But it better not be me that determines how I'm manipulating the situation. I better just preach the truth and let God be God. So I'm I'm encouraging you, young men, ladies that are going to be teachers and helping other people, stand before God. Stand for God. Stand before others as a representative of God. Don't follow those that would lead you in a wrong way. Watch who the people that you're following are following. And if they're following the wrong people, stop following them. But in all actuality, stand for righteousness and recognize the main things. Righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. Think about it. Souls that are dying that need to be saved. I have children that need to be brought up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I have a church family that needs me to spend time with God and preach messages that will encourage and strengthen them to go on for the Lord. And if I'm led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, I'm going to follow the Spirit and I don't have to fight every battle that's presented. Walk on for Jesus. Walk on. Jesus didn't stop and fight every battle that was, that was offered to him. They would ask him a question. He would answer them with a question. They would say, by what authority? He said, by what authority? They said, we're not going to tell. He said, I'm not going to tell. And he walked on. Sometimes we don't have to fight every battle. But stand for what God's called you to stand for and fight for what God's called you to fight for. And, and gossiping and stirring up strife are not important. God's word's important. Praying's important. Preaching the gospel's important. Being led of the Spirit's important. Only by pride come in contention. Strife and vainglory have no place in the life of a Christian. The well-advised have wisdom. And if they're well-advised, they're actually following the vice of the Spirit of God. Let's follow God. Amen? Let's not, let's not go into doubtful disputations. Say, what does that have to do with us? Well, one day you're going to stand before a group of people. You're going to know there's something out there going on that you want to deal with in your flesh. But if God hadn't led you in that spirit, don't, because all you do is hurt the church. God's church, not your church. You're God's man, not your own man. Follow the leadership of the Holy Ghost. And that can happen in this, in this room too. You guys, you guys jaw at each other. You elbow each other. You mess with each other. It's not always helpful. It can cause doubtful disputations. You can create conflict. It doesn't have to be in Providence Baptist College. Controversial subjects, issues. Listen, we already got a rule book. We already got the Bible. We don't need you walking around as Lord Fauntleroy telling everybody else how they're, how they're wrong. You make sure you're right before God. And let God take care of everybody else. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again for another Maverick message.